octagoons. Time to wake up and get on with your day today. Um, today I'm going to bring up two topics. I saw in the group, so I think it's relevant to bring up. It's only Wednesday after Easter, you know, Easter weekend. Uh, the first one's by Maxine mentioning she started HRT. She's now anxious and his anxious got a, his anxiety got a link with weight and stuff like that. So we know like indirectly being anxious, being emotional essentially is indirectly contributes to weight gain or even weight loss. It depends on the person. Um, emotions are there. I think I think the root word for emotion in Latin is it means to disturb or disturbing or to stir. So an emotion is something that really disturbs you from your balance if you think about it. So if you're in if you think of yourself in a stillness, in a still calm waters, um, an emotion could be a little wave, uh, could be a nice wave, could be a, a not a nice wave, could be one you expect, it could be one that comes from nowhere, could be a tornado. And um, we know what happens in tornadoes, we just lose our heads because we panic and some emotions are so strong they knock you off into the whirlwind, into the whirlpool, into whatever you want to call it. And it's really hard to regain control or to stay calm in such a environment. So it's important to realise that as much as you know about macros now, you know what to do, you've got a plan. If you are not mastering your emotions or mastering your mindset, you're always going to be fighting a massive battle. Okay, so an example of how the body and the mind are linked and how it reacts that there's a research on if I hold a, a cold cup of water in my hand and then you ask me to judge someone I'll judge them more coldly than I did if I held a warm cup and I'm not even conscious of this at the time in the research I'm unconscious it was colder or warmer you know like it was just that feeling so literally nearly everything impacts our state of mind how we perceive things all that type of stuff and we have to be really on guard or um, aware of these things happening to even start uh, taking charge of them really if you think about it so when it comes to the the, res the um, information on stress anxiety weight let me just share um, the, the highlights I've taken from Robert Sapolsky's why zebras don't get ulcers you know I've gone on about him for ages but a brilliant piece of work I'm going to go through a few of the highlights from it just so you can understand really what's going on with stress anxiety and how we knock you out of balance and how if you don't manage this you're going to make things 100 times harder for yourself trying to lose weight. Because to lose weight, right, you've got to be in a deficit for a prolonged period of time. And really, to be in a deficit for a prolonged period of time, you need to have some sort of stability. You need to be some calmness in your life. You need to be able to, you know, attack the day in a sense and not the day attack you, if that makes sense. You know, like you're not, you need to have some sense of control and predictability in your life to achieve that, okay? So here are the highlights and then I'll explain a bit more. So he says from the previous chapter, it's perfectly obvious where we're heading in terms of appetite. You're the zebra running for your life. Don't think about lunch. The that's the reason why we lose our appetites when we're stressed because we're running for our life. Why would we think about digesting food when we are in life or death scenarios? So we shut down digestion. We shut down the appetite because we need to run. Maybe we've got to get out of there. Oh, that lion's going to eat me. You know, I'm out of here. And he says, except those of us who, when stressed, eat everything in sight in a mindless mechanical way. And those who claim they're not hungry are too stressed to eat the thing and just happen to nibble 3,000 calories worth of food a day. And those of us who really can't eat the thing, except for the chocolate, chocolate chip, hot fudge sundaes with whipped cream and nuts. 
The official numbers are that stress makes about two-thirds of people hyperphagic, eating more, and the rest, they eat less. Okay, so you've got two-thirds of people when stressed eat more, one-third eat less. Weirdly, when you stress lab rats, you get the same confusing picture where some eat more and others eat less. So we can conclude with scientific certainty that stress can alter appetite, which doesn't teach us a whole lot since it doesn't tell us whether there's an increase or decrease. We just know it does both, okay? So here's the more information on this. During the stressor, appetite and energy storage were suppressed, okay? And stored energy was mobilized, which means stored energy was activated in a sense. So you think about it, you are calling in the troops, you're calling in the reserves, get in you now, get a, that, those stored fats in the belly and the thighs were loads of stored fat and energy. You're like, Nick, come on, the legions, we need you, it's time to fight, it's time to go, get out, wake up, let's go. They then rush out of your fat storage, into the bloodstream, weapons at the ready, swords running out, and they come into your bloodstream, and they're running around, waiting to get deployed and to be used, right? If you think of it that way, it's a panic, it's intense panic of getting energy ready and taking it to the muscles to run, to fight, okay? So the logic during the post-stress period is that it's obvious that what we need to do, we need to recover from that, reverse from those processes, block the energy mobilization, so stop the energy being taken into the bloodstream from the fat storage sites, store the nutrients in your bloodstream and get more of them. Appetite goes up. So it's a sense like you've used 10,000 legionnaires into battle, you've lost 6,000 legionnaires. They're gone, you've used them, they're gone forever. Now your body's going, we need the legionnaires back. Let's get them trained up, let's get them in. And you just like, eat as much as you can to create the legionnaires, you know. I don't even know if this analogy is working for you guys, it works for me. It works for me, but I don't know if it works for you. Basically, let's refill those lost spots. Let's get it back, right? We've lost something, we need it back. So your appetite goes up to do that. What's really fascinating is that glucocorticoids, which is cortisol, don't just stimulate appetite. They stimulate it preferably for foods that are starchy, sugary, or full of fat. And we reach for the Oreos, not the celery sticks. You know, you can make us up. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Amen. For doing us, doing this to us, you know. The reason we go for, obviously, the starchy, sugary, full of fat is because it's energy dense. And we can eat a lot of it in, quick, quick, um, in a short space of time. So it makes complete sense that we would desire that. Now what happens is, when you've got loads of glucocorticoids in the circulation, which is stress, the stress hormone cortisol is part of the glucocorticoid family, um, the ones you, the, the word uh, cortisol is what you're more familiar with, is that one, it takes a while to come out of the bloodstream, okay? So if the stressor ends, say 10 minutes, there will be cumulatively be perhaps 12 minute burst of CRH exposure, 10 minutes during the stressor plus the seconds it takes to clear CRH afterwards and a two-hour burst of exposure to cortisol. The roughly eight minutes of secretion during the stressor plus the much longer time to clear the, the cortisol. So the period where cortisol levels are high and those of CRH are low is much longer than the period of CRH levels being high, a situation that winds up stimulating appetite. Okay. The type of stressor is key to whether the net result is hyper or hypo. Okay, if you eat more, eat less. Take some crazed, maze-running rat of a human, you, <laughs> me. He sleeps through the alarm clock first thing in the morning, total panic. Calms down when it looks like the commute isn't so bad today. Maybe he won't be late for work after all. Uh-oh, gets panicked all over again when the commute is actually shocking. 
Someone's taking a dump in front of him. Dogs all over him. Mud. He's you know he's he's got his pants wrong around everything. He's got it's gone it's gone it's gone tits up here. Calms down when he gets to work because he thinks the boss is away. And then notices the boss is actually there. Panics again, thinking, "Oh my god, the boss did notice I was late." And then you know my kegs are down. And everything, right? So goes through the day. Stress on, stress off, stress on, stress off. Okay. And the person would say, "I'm so stressed all the time," but they're not non-stop stressed. Technically, they they are intermittently stressed. But because of the slow speed which cortisol clears from circulation, elevated cortisol levels are close to non-stop. Guess who's going to be eating Krispy Kremes all day work. Yeah, that guy. That guy indeed. So a big reason why most of us become hypo, hyper sorry, during stress is our westernized human capacity to have intermittent psychological stresses through the day. This type of stress that is a big factor. Okay, so are you with me? You don't have to be stressed 24-7, you just have to activate a secretion of stress hormones into the bloodstream Based on a stressor, the stressor can be completely made up in your brain. It can be an actual physical stressor, like someone's attacking you or someone's shouted at you, someone's saying, calling you names. You could be thinking about it all in your head, sitting there wondering about life. Whatever it is, you turn it on and it's going to be staying in your bloodstream for hours. And you accumulate that, you accumulate, 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 and it's not good. Okay, you're going to make your job very, very hard. So, when the stress is over, and we're relaxed, we go into a feast state, don't we? We go into, right, appetite, whoosh, right? And if we don't know why this happens, we just think, what's wrong with me? Nothing wrong with you. You're actually doing exactly what the body needs. It's, you just stressed yourself out all day. The body's been on like a red, the body's calling so many legionnaires, they're all gone. What do you think it wants to do? It wants to replace them, it wants to get the energy back. You've just wasted it all and absolutely nothing. You haven't escaped for your life. You haven't fought for food. You haven't done anything. You've literally sat in a chair worrying about stuff. It doesn't actually matter. You know, when you're worrying about weight going up because you've had a big weekend and stressing yourself out, making your job even harder, think about it. I know it's easier said than done, but you have to snap out of it by thinking, oh, this is fat. It's not fat. You have not eaten five to 6,000 calories in one day. Because that's what you would have had to do roughly to gain one pound of fat. Maybe even 7,000 calories in one day. To gain one pound of fat, you'd have to eat that in one day. There's no way any of you can do it. I mean, you could force yourself to do it, maybe get sick by the end of it. But that's a huge amount of calories. You know, professional athletes who are like burning 10,000 calories a day are struggling to get there. That's like their job. They're literally there, like just burning through it. You know, you're not going to that stage. So you need to nip it in the bud. You need to stop catastrophizing. The only person that can stop you doing it is you. You know, I can tell you as much as you can go, oh, whatever, Scott, I'm not going to listen. I don't, you know, I've, I've, it's easier said than done me, whatever. Who is going to do it then? Not me. No one else is going to tell you. How else are you going to snap out of it? That's really what you need to be doing. You need to really shake yourself. Because you decide, essentially. You are deciding the route you're taking. You are looking at the situation going, right. All the evidence suggests it's definitely not fat. I don't believe it. I've gained fat, I can't believe it, no, I've been gained fat. And you go, right, wait, wait, who, calm down, wait now, right. I feel as fat because I feel terrible. I'm bloated, I'm, I, feel, I look worse, I got loads of water under my skin, subcutaneous, I feel fat, I feel terrible versus three days ago, right, I feel it, terrible, but then you say, right, obviously I've got more salt, I've had more carbs, I've stored the carbs, got more water retention, right, okay, right. 
Have I eaten 7,000 calories? No. Okay, so it's probably not fat. No. Okay. So is it just that I've eaten a lot of food and I'm bound to feel a bit down, a bit up, down, down to feel a bit drowsy or... Yeah, okay. Okay, so should I just give it three or four days, eating well, walking, drinking water, seeing it? Yeah, okay. All right, let's stop worrying about it. You know, that's really where we need to get to. You need to stop... You know, if you take a bird's eye view, the view from above, always take the view from above. Will this matter next week when I've been back on my normal eating routine for a week? No, because you know damn right that you're not eating like Easter weekend every day. It's the once in a year, once a year thing. So you have to kick, you have to snap out of it. You have to. There's no, there's no, there's no other route to go around this because what I've just told you about stress you are going to make it harder for yourself. You are going to secrete cortisol for no reason. And it's you that's sounding the alarm. No one else is sounding the alarm. No one else is saying it's fat. Oh my God, sound the alarm quick, stress yourself out. You're doing it all by yourself. And nobody's saving you. No one's going to stop that for you. You need, we, you need to understand this. Very important that we manage our stress. Otherwise, we're going to make things worse. Um, I, I, I don't care how good you are at, at understanding macros and stuff, but if you're always in a turbulent mindset, good luck to you, honestly. Um, there was another comment, let me find it. Let me find it. So, okay. Yeah, Lucy, I get it. I've woken up in a really bad headspace this morning. I felt, and it's fine to wake up in a bad headspace, you know, we don't have we don't have great days all the time. I fell back into a binge habit this weekend. I tried so hard to remain within my calories. No one had some meals out. I stored some up, but then Sunday hit and I ended up spiraling and continued yesterday. Guess track the takeaway. My daily calories are over by 2,000 minimum. Do you see? Same here. Same here. I know the math behind it, but can't seem to get over the immediate effects it has on my body. Like, it is shocking. You know, you, you, when you eat chocolate and high salt and a lot of carbs in one go, yeah, of course it's going to have effect on our body. I'm so much bigger today. Yep, yep, no, no doubt. Same as me. Everyone else did. I've gained four centimeters from starter on my waist. Yep, water retention easy. You are sixty percent water at least, so there's no, you know, no shock that you've got a lot of food and bloated out. Feel rubbish and sluggish. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm with you. Same here. I weighed myself this morning and my bloody scales queried the weight gain. I don't know why the scales do it. Like, I mean, that's just such a stupid feature of those scales by the way and by the way you're only 127 pounds lucy you are very small you know what i mean that's that's a very low weight i weighed myself this morning scales going up i always do this to myself that's a key phrase there by the way i always do this to myself i'm i make a slight amount of progress then step back to the beginning because i binge you haven't gone back to the beginning my husband must think i'm crazy as i even cried find a crime if you can release some emotions i've listened to the podcast and as much as i understand i'm struggling to break this awful cycle what is awful about eating a lot of food on easter weekend what is awful about it please tell me and this is a question for all of you what's awful about it like you've eaten more calories than you you know you needed but it's easter weekend great what is it awful you feel rubbish and sluggish because you've eaten too many calories May it's, I wouldn't say it's awful, it's just like, well, that's, we know that's a side effect of eating a lot of food. We, like, how many times have you had a massive meal Sunday roast and you've gone, oh my god, I can't move. It's not a bad thing, you just had a lot of food. And you haven't come back to square one at all, because 
binges in themselves, and you need to, maybe we redefine what a binge is here, because a binge is something like, if there's 2,000 calories over and you've tracked and you understand, wouldn't necessarily say that is a flat out binge. A binge can be a mindset as well, like a binge could be um, weekends worth four or five days of two or 3,000 calories over would be a binge. Having 2,000 calories over your target in a day, you wouldn't necessarily say it's a binge. But let's go with it for now. You've had a binge. Now, is a one-off day or two days elevated calories such a bad thing? No. The problem is when that turns into three, four, five, six weeks in a row of continuous binging. No one's ever binged once or had a huge calorie day once and got back into it the next week, the next day, sorry, for weeks. I've seen an, imp- seen an impact on their results. You know, it's just, it's just not how it works. As long as you stay in the game, Lucy, as long as you turn up today and after you listen to this podcast, as long as you say to yourself today, do you know what? I know now I don't feel great eating all that chocolate and stuff. And, you know, next year maybe I'll eat a bit less because I didn't like how I felt. If you said to me now, I ate that chocolate, 2,000 calories, oh, my God, the nicest I've felt in years. Say, fair enough. For me, I felt terrible. I ate a lot of cho- too much chocolate. I felt terrible. I can't hear. I bloat in. I was like getting some stitches, like I was like, <laughs> I was like, what's going on in my body? You know, I was like, I feel really rubbish and I just didn't eat much after that. just didn't want to. And that's fine, I learned from it. You know, it's the, the, for me now, this chocolate doesn't really do it for me anymore, which is weird because I used to fucking so love it. So this is for all of you. I know it's a similar podcast to yesterday, but it's important. Do not stress yourself out. Don't catastrophize. Get on with your day. Put a smile on your face. You are literally one of the top 5-10% of people in this world that get the chance to improve our health and we're looking at it in such a doom and gloom scenario we get to track our food, we get to make tweaks, we get to optimise our health, we're very fortunate for this right? and we today, we're fortunate today to be able bodied, to be able to improve our health, go on with our day you think about it, some people would love to just be able to do one of the things we're able to do today and we have to get that mindset in us and think we need to be more light-hearted about this scenario uh, this uh, process i don't i want you a scientific approach i want us testing 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 experiment experiment thomas edison a thousand experiments for the light bulb you know just experimenting all the time we're learning all the time i've learned this weekend how much how many of you have learned from this easter weekend you've learned a lot of yourself you've learned where you know what really the, the chocolate does to you you've learned if you were able to moderate some things you learned maybe certain alcohols you've learned this and that you've learned how you feel about stuff you're very aware of the situation as before it was very mindless okay mindless eating and drinking i can't think back to certain events i don't even know how much i drank and ate but i'm very aware of what i had in the weekend anyway smile on the face it's time to go on another day it's wednesday it's week five of the octagon plenty of time left build up momentum again easter's not back for another year you know, let's crack on. Put a smile on your face. Use this as your ta- as your prompt to get shit done. One big thing. Get it in the books. Get it done. Build some momentum. And the only time you can build momentum is right now, today. Not tomorrow, not next week. You build now, no matter how small. Just do something. I'm telling you, you better. That's it. Speak to you all soon.